Hello and welcome back to Hoops and Dingers, episode six. I'm your host, John Mastrangelo, back with Alex Green. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Hoops and Dingers. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And Tyler Sumner. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Episode six. Can't wait to talk. So today we got the usual schedule. We'll jump into the NBA first. We will talk player of the week. We'll do our predictions for Clippers Nuggets Game 7 and Miami Heat Boston Celtics series. And then we will talk briefly about Mike D'Antoni deciding to leave the Houston Rockets and the impacts that will have on the league and the Rockets. Then we'll hop into the MLB. We'll talk player of the week there. We will have our predictions for three great matchups. That'll be between Phillies and Marlins, the Twins and White Sox, and the Dodgers and Padres. And then we will wrap up the MLB segment with looking, taking a look at the AL Central. And then we'll hop into the most anticipated part of the podcast, and that would be Tyler's take and underrated, overrated, or perfectly rated. So let's get right into it. All right, Alex, I'll start with you here. Who is your player of the week for the NBA? Um, my player of the week for the NBA is uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know, in four games this week for the Clippers, uh, he averaged 28.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, and six assists. So a double-double, uh, almost a triple-double. Um, Kawhi Leonard has been playing really good in the uh, Clippers Nugget series in general. That's been a very fun series to watch. Um, the Nuggets battling back again uh, to get forced to Game 7. Uh, that team has a lot of fight in it. It should be a fun, uh, real fun Game 7 uh, Tuesday night. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that will be a great Game 7. Uh, my player of the week is coming out of that series as well. But he's on the other side. That is Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic had a great week. Average... 26.7 points with 12 rebounds. So he averaged double-double for the week. And he averaged six assists and a block per game. And he led the Nuggets team to force that game seven. So that'll be an interesting series, and I'm really excited for that. Um, Tyler, who is your player of the week? My player of the week this week has to be Marcus Smart. I mean, you just look at what he did for the Celtics over the last three games. He had 16 points in Game 7, 23 in Game 6, and 12 in Game 5. But looking away from the offensive side of his abilities, we got to look at the defense because his defense these last three games was crazy. He had that block on Will Powell or Norman Powell, excuse me. Norman Powell, yep. Norman Powell. And – he just stepped up big. And I really think he's actually been one of the best players, if not the best player for the Celtics so far in these playoffs. Okay. All right. So those were our player of the week. Just to recap, it was Kawhi Leonard for Alex, Nikola Jokic for me, and Marcus Smart for Tyler. Now – We'll head in and we'll talk some predictions. We'll start off with game seven. Clippers Nuggets. Nuggets coming off a hundred and eleven to ninety-eight victory over the Clippers. 
Jokic, who I talked about earlier, coming off of 34 and 14 and 7, almost triple-double. And you got the Clippers. You had Kawhi coming off 25, Paul George coming off 33. So I'll start with Tyler here. Tyler, who do you got taking home game seven and going to face the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? Initially, I was going to say Clippers from the beginning. I had the Clippers for this, but I've had a change in mind. I think I'm going to take the Nuggets in Game 7 because we look at – they're almost sort of repeating themselves from Round 1. They were down 3-1 against Utah, came back, won that series. They were down 3-1 against the Clippers, tied at 3-3 to force a Game 7. I think the Nuggets are going to take Game 7. And I think the same thing's going to happen in the Western Conference Finals. Okay. Okay, so you got Nuggets, and what's your score prediction for Game 7? Uh, I'm going to say Nuggets 105 to 100. All right. Alex, we'll bounce it over to you now. Clippers Nuggets. This is tough. Um, I think initially when I when I when we predicted the series, I said the Clippers, I think, in six was my prediction. And yeah, I was wrong about that, but I couldn't still be right about the team. This is tough. Um, I think it's going to be the Clippers. Um, yes, the Nuggets have battled back. They did this last year was against the Jazz too, where they went down three to one, battled back, forced the game seven, and they won that game seven against the Jazz. I just don't think that's going to happen this series. I think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will step up. They've, they're experienced guys. They know how to win in the playoffs. They know how to win. They have winning DNA. Yes, while the Nuggets have been playing good, I think it, they're just – they just have the lack – while they have experience, they just don't have as much as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do. So I've got the Clippers winning. Also, I think Doc Rivers will make adjustments for the Clippers and make necessary adjustments to stop the Nuggets or at least slow them down. I think the Clippers win one twelve. To 106. All right. That's my score prediction. And, okay. Okay. I'm going to agree with you there, Alex. I think that the Clippers will take this. While I would I would love to see the Nuggets win, maybe more of an underdog story because everyone coming into the season, LA versus LA, Western Conference Finals, that's what everyone thought. Um, it'd be cool to see the Nuggets in, but realistically, I don't see that happening. Um, I think the Clippers are a really good, deep team. And not saying that the Nuggets aren't. But their playoff uh, experience, even coming off the bench, uh, is decent. And playoff P isn't playoff P right now. He, like I said, he dropped 33 in game six. So he's playing really well. Um, and I think that I think that the Nuggets, while they're riding the momentum definitely in this series, and there's no denying that, I don't think they're going to be able to pull off a miracle like they did last time because – against the Jazz because the Jazz were just, let's face it, they're a worse team than the Clippers. And they could do that against them. And I think they, I think that score was honestly close, if I remember correctly. They didn't get out of there with a, it wasn't easy if someone, someone could pull it up. I don't, I'm pretty sure that that game seven was close. I'm pretty sure they didn't get out of it. Like with no scrapes or, Tough I'm work. checking so right like, now. Uh, yeah, I feel like 
the Clippers will be able to have enough star power. You were right, John. It was yeah. a close game. It, Denver only won by two, 80 to 78. So it was like a grinded out defensive type of game. Yeah, so. it was a two-point game, and every, everyone scored under 81. Um, so, yeah, I think that the Clippers will be able to take this with their playoff experience and better overall talent, I guess. Even though the Nuggets are a talented team, I feel like the Clippers will take this, and the score will be uh, 110-105. Uh, that's my uh, score prediction there. I think we now, all had around the same score prediction, it seemed like. We were all like a couple, like two to four points yeah. around each other. So not too yeah, high scoring, but not like not too low scoring either, like somewhere in the middle, we all think. Exactly. For the series yeah. is what it seems like. It, it, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good offensive game, but also a good defensive game. Not too crazy, but not. Yeah, like not like 80-78 with the Nuggets yeah. Jazz. So, no. no, yeah, yeah. No, that's like not even modern NBA. Yeah. That's old school NBA. That's old school, yeah. Yeah. So now we're gonna head into a anticipated, highly anticipated Eastern Conference Finals playoff prediction. And I know that all three of us are very excited to talk about this because it includes our team, our our basketball team, Boston Celtics. So I'm gonna start with Mr. Tyler Sumner. Last week I did you dirty and I decided to prank you, but this time I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you speak first. Alright, what you got? Talk to me here. Alright, let me talk to you folks. So I have this series that could go either two ways. Both teams, you know, are very skilled. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing if Miami gets a hold of the three ball, they'll outshoot the Celtics. They have two of the best shooters in the league. And who? And Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Okay. Yeah. And if the Celtics can stop that three ball and the Celtics can beat the Heat inside the paint, it will be over for Miami because Miami's not good in the paint. They're shooters. Yeah. And another thing, too, is that Celtics have to out-rebound. They have to – Celtics basically have to come out firing. They can't get off to slow starts like they did with Toronto in the last three, four games. They have to stay on top of this Miami team because if they don't, it's going to be over fast. If the Heat beat Boston bad in the first game, I see the Heat taking it in five. Oh. But I think the Celtics are good enough where they can beat Miami. I, so, I think that overall this is going to be a series for the ages. But I think the Celtics are going to win in six. Okay. So Celtics in six from Tyler Sumner. All right. Toss it over to Alex Green. Um, got? This, this series, boy, um, this series has a potential to be another classic. Um, by the way, these playoffs have been full of great series in general. I think it's been one of the most entertaining playoffs in recent history that I can remember where, you know, every series could really have gone either way. I mean, except for a couple of, except for a couple of them, you know, every series has pretty much been, you know, close, really either team could have taken it. 
Um, I feel like the Heat and Celtics have very similar play styles. You know, they're yeah, both good defensive teams. You know, they can both shoot the ball. So, um, uh, I think Gordon Hayward is supposed to come back at some point in the Heat series. They don't know when. Um, he's he's his status for game one is undetermined at this point. I don't think he'll play game one because he just got back to the bubble a couple days ago. Um, but the, he does have some time off, so we'll see. But um, I think I'm going to go with the Heat in seven. This series is going to go seven games. I don't see it going any less than that. I think I'm going to take the Heat in seven, though, because the Heat have had a bunch more time to pre- prepare and rest than the Celtics have because they beat the Bucks in five, while the Celtics just went to yeah. seven against the Raptors where they had to fight really in every game. Mm-hmm. They played OT on in game six. Fatigue. So yeah, right. the Celtics are gonna be fixing a lot of fatigue. And I think even if the Heat are down in games, I think they'll be able to come back because you know, with threes, you know, you live you die by you live and die by the three. So if the Heat are making a lot of threes, yeah. they they can come they can come back in pretty much any game, even if they're down. So I'm gonna go with the Heat in seven. As as much as it pains me, I'm gonna go Heat in seven. Okay. It's more it's more realistic at least. Um, I I love this series because it's not one two, it doesn't even have one or two in it. It's three versus five, and you know, that's just so fun because it's not having the people that you'd expect at at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, by by transitive property, if I say that the Celtics beat the Heat here, I'm saying that the Celtics would beat the Bucks. <laughs> but so it's definitely gonna be a great series. Um, Celtics were playing well. I think that, I think that Celtics' success rides on Kemba Walker, because we saw in the last, at least the last couple of games, in against the Raptors, he was struggling to find his shot and just hit shots. Um, and I feel like if the Celtics try to not try to mimic the Heat's offensive style and they try and just continue to put up shots even if they aren't falling I think that they have to stick to what they know um and if they try and be like the Heat which yes they're very similar but the Heat are much more accomplished shooters um at least in Harrow and Robinson um so I feel like if the Celtics stay to what they know and they don't just shoot threes and they drive they can get in the paint as well and kick it out when you need to. I think if you're a balanced team, I think they could pull it out. But in in all honesty, he took down the Bucks in five games, people. Yeah, but five. think about this. The Bucks didn't have Giannis. No, 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 no. They did for three games. No, 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 no. They did for three games. No, no, no. I don't want Alex, no, please no, let me no. talk. Please let me no. no. They Go did ahead and for talk. three games. They did for three games, but he was also battling an ankle injury. Yes. So Giannis wasn't one hundred percent. Okay. That's fine. Okay. He was playing though. Giannis played in four games. And the game yeah. four game four they won without him. So why couldn't they mm-hmm. do it game five without him too? Game four he yeah. went down like halfway through the game without an injury. I don't know what that what went wrong with the Bucks. They they lost three games with Giannis. Game four, they lose Giannis halfway through the game. They win that game. Then game five, they lose without Giannis. That makes no sense to me. It didn't make 
that so i don't know but um john going back to what you said um i think the five the the eastern conference final series being between the five and three seed just shows that how open the nba is right now and like how many good teams there are yeah so i guess final prediction here this is a really it's gonna be a really good series but i feel like what if what if it's just like what if we're all like oh it's gonna be such a good series and then it's like super underwhelming or something like we all thought like the Heat and Bucks series was gonna be great and then it was like underwhelming well it was still great but it went only five games ah uh, I really want to say Celtics in six but instead I'll say Celtics in seven I I and it's not it's not biased because I'm trying to put it all aside to be able to just give you guys the listeners my actual thoughts, and I think it will be. I've seen – I know that the Celtics aren't great. I, I saw it. I, I, was watch, I was watching the games. They didn't look great all the time. Um, think Like, Jason Tatum thought Nick Nurse was on his team. We can talk about that if we want, but that was – when Nick Nurse was standing at the, <laughs> the sideline, looked like a teammate for Tatum. Yeah. He passed out of bounds. That was – I don't even want to get but, started about that game six whole – No. Game six. No, game six was <laughs> – all right, yeah. So we'll just stick with this. I think Celtics in seven. Uh, I'll, I'll say that and I'll finish that. Um, so finished our predictions. We finished player of the week. Now we're going to briefly talk about Mike D'Antoni leaving the Rockets. What does this mean for the league? What does this mean for Houston? What does this mean for D'Antoni? All right. What does this mean for the Rockets, Alex? Um, I, this is, I don't know. Um, I feel like then Tony did the best he could with what he had. Uh, the Rockets were trying to build a team they thought would work around Harden. You know, they traded away Clint Capella this year. Um, that was a strange move. Though. Yeah, very strange move. They tried to surround him with shooters. They tried to clear, run a small ball lineup where the paint was cleared for Harden to, uh, you know, do his iso ball and, do what he does best, which is get inside and score. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't a huge fan of the Westbrook signing, uh, the Westbrook trade when when they made it. Yeah, me neither, honestly. Um, I don't. I think that experiment failed, honestly. Um, I I but I I really don't know what this means for the Rockets. Um, I think for the Rockets to succeed, I think they. I don't think they should be running the small ball lineup. I think they should go and trade for a center or sign a center that can stretch the floor like a Miles Turner type. Or yeah. I know he has a big contract. I know the, the Rockets don't really have money, but an Al Horford type center I feel like would be perfect for this Rockets team because you know he can he can you know he can rebound and play inside, but he can also stretch the floor. So I think the Rockets really, just really need someone who can a center who can stretch the, stretch the floor and hit the three. Okay, yeah, and that that's that's Horford there. Yep, that's he can he can do that. Uh, Tyler, what does this mean for D'Antoni? I think he's gonna look for a place to go where he can build off a young team. I think a place that he should really go is Minnesota. I think that would be a good fit for him. Mm-hmm. I think another good fit for him would be Indiana. 
because they're yeah. looking for a new coach. I mean, overall, he wasn't that good of a coach. But, I mean, he did take the Rockets to the playoffs as a coach. But I just think for him, he just needs to find a team that he can get past the first second round with. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing with D'Antoni is he's older. He's old. He's old, and he, um, and he the window is closing. I feel like with the Rockets, it's closing. Um, and D'Antoni was. He went two twenty seven and one oh two in four years with the Rockets. And I felt like they were always um always in the play they were always in the playoffs all four of his years. They made it to the Western Conference Finals and uh and then they made chances were in the semifinals. So they're always in talk with like and Harden had many MVP caliber years under D'Antoni. And I think he he did well. I just think that the I like Alex pointed out. I think that the Russell Westbrook thing was a strange move. Not a strange move, but just didn't fit. Feel like, and I think for the for the league, you guys you guys can jump in on this too. Feel like for the league that this means that that feel like he I feel like he fit the Rockets really well, honestly. And I feel like this, at least maybe not to get past the second round or he did it once but I feel like they like kind of gelled at least with their quick tempo uh, offense and I think I think that this might open up that four five seed and maybe get another team in there do you think that this team could still can still flourish under a different coach because he's been there for four years uh, yeah, it'd be John. hard to say yeah, it's hard to say, really. But going back yeah. to what you said, John, about the uh, Rockets making the Eastern, I mean, Western Conference Finals one year, they were one game away from beating that Warriors team. They were one game away. Yeah, they, were. they took that Warriors team they to were. seven. So, mm-hmm. and yes, there was some questionable officiating and that game. But oh yeah, but yeah, they were one game away from uh from going to the NBA Finals. So I don't know. I like I said, I think D'Antoni did the best with what he had, and I don't. I think I don't think if Houston doesn't make changes to that roster, I think whoever the next coach is will not flourish. And I think, like John said, it'll open up a four or five slot in the West for a different team to take. Yeah, bump people up, kind of just the pecking order. Just everyone kind of just jumps up a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, that has been our NBA segment. We'll be right back with our MLB segment. And welcome back to Hoops and Dingers. Just discussed NBA Player of the Week playoff predictions and a little bit about Mike D'Antoni leaving the Rockets and what that'll mean for the NBA next year. Now we're going to hop into MLB segment. We're going to talk Player of the Week like we always do. I'm going to start it off this week. And I'm going to start off with a player who hit 474 this past week. He had three home runs and nine RBIs. A slugging of 1,000. 
OBP of 585. And that would be Jeff McNeil from the New York Mets. Jeff McNeil had a fantastic week. Just understand it. Hitting 474 with the power as well there and the runs driven in, the RBIs, having nine, that's it's pretty good. He did really well for the Mets. And I think who we'll go to next will be Alex. Alex, who you got for your player of the week? Uh, my player of the week is going to be a pitcher. Uh, and okay. Actually, this, the, my player of the week, something, uh, this is something monumental about an hour ago, roughly. Uh, I'm going with Alec Mills. Uh, he, just threw his, he just threw his first career no-hitter. Uh, and the Cubs' first no-hitter since 2016. So, yeah, a little round of applause to Alec Mills. Congratulations on that. That's always a uh, nice feat. Um, but, yeah, you know, while his stats don't aren't, like, amazing or anything like that, you know, he had five strikeouts with three walks. You know, just Alec Mills' story, you know, he was a college walk-on at Tennessee Martin, and he was a 22nd-round pick. So, just the fa- by the Royals back in 2012, so... I mean, when anyone throws a no-hitter, it's special, especially, but, you know, someone who has that type of story and wasn't necessarily, you know, a top-round draft pick or, you know, a high prospect coming out of high school or college. So, yeah, congrats to Alec Mills, and he's my player of the week for this week, and I think deservingly so. Yeah, it's a great story, and no-hitter is a fantastic accomplishment. Uh, Tyler, we'll hop over to you. Who you got for your player of the week? (laughs) I got uh, Raphael Devers as my player of the week. Okay. Again, he's on a team that we don't really have too much player of the week from. But he's batting over 520 right now, which is good. Um, He hasn't had any home runs over the last three games. He, He drove in one RBI today against the Rays. So... He's batting over 520, but, again, he's on the Red Sox. They're not going to do much. One player don't always make a difference. Yeah, him and Bobby Dahlbeck actually had really good weeks. Uh, looking at it here, Bobby Dahlbeck hit uh, three three more homers and six added in six RBIs. Those two, those two are looking good, and uh, – the Red, Sox, the Red Sox are definitely struggling, that's for sure. Uh, but we're going to move on from that, and we're going to move on to some predictions for a couple of games. So we're going to start with the Phillies and the Marlins. And a little bit of background knowledge, at least in the standings. Phillies, 23-21, and 21, three and a half out of first. The Marlins right behind them, a half game back, 22-21 and 21 in third place. So it's definitely big game, big series coming up. Alex, who are the pitchers for this matchup if if they have uh, been announced uh, yet? The Phillies have not announced their pitcher for uh, this game yet, but the Marlins are going to start uh, Pablo Lopez. He is 3-4 and four on the year with a 4.50 ERA. Okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not too not great. Too great. Uh, Alex, Alex, we'll start with you then. Who, who do you have in this uh, matchup? Um, I'm going to go with the Phillies. Uh, Phillies. Yeah, uh, because the Marlins starter, Pablo Lopez, has not really uh, – has he struggled this season. He struggled in his last two starts too. He's given up 12 earned runs in five and two of those innings in his last two starts. So 
uh, the Phillies have a good lineup. I think that lineup will be able to get to Lopez. Um, we don't know who the Phillies are pitching yet, but I'm sure it can't be much worse, if at all worse, than Pablo than than Pablo Lopez. So yeah, uh, I'll go with the Phillies. I'll say the Phillies win eight two. Eight two. Okay, they really do get to Lopez. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll 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 rock with it now. Um, I I think the Phillies have it as well. I think the Marlins. It's definitely a surprise that they're in third in the NL East. Um, but hey, props to them. But I think the Phillies will take it. Um, yeah, like you said, Lopez is struggling heavily this year. Um, and no matter who the Phillies throw out there. Obviously, there's going to be somebody better, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but it's because I don't know right now. I'm going to still go Phillies, and the score prediction will be 10, 10-3. 10-3. Um, it's it's uh, high scoring, but not too high scoring because we've seen some crazy scores lately uh, around the MLB. It's some 20 20 run game. Yeah. Uh, it's really been crazy. Tyler, how do you finish us off here for this part? I have yeah. the Phillies winning. I mean, no surprise. I think we all picked the Phillies, and I think they're going to get to the pitcher for the Marlins like you guys do as well. I think it's going to be 10 to 3. And the same score as John. Yes. <laughs> very original, Tyler. Very original. Okay, we get me at two people saying ten to three. Everyone, mark your calendars. Mark it down. Mark it down. Take that. Take that. Take that. Ten three. Monday September fourteenth. Monday September fourteenth. All right, we got ten three. We got two people saying ten three, so it's really close. All right, our next game will be a really. These are all big division games. This will be the Twins White Sox. And we're gonna talk about the AL Central a little bit later, but I just want to give a little bit. Of a low down there, put the White Sox thirty and sixteen atop the AL Central, and then we have the Twins thirty and eighteen, just one game back. So I'm going to start with this because I remember for the very first episode of Hoops and Dingers, my takeaway was going to be the Chicago White Sox because they were doing fantastic. And you guys, you guys can back me up on this, but then I had to switch. I had to switch it, but the, I was excited because I was like, oh, my gosh, surprise team, White Sox, what the heck? But then they started to do poor, and they were back down to 500. Now they are soaring. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and they're 30-16. and 30-16. And, and I'm not going to do too much of, like, that. I'll just talk. Um, not going to talk too much about, like, the division and their record, but I just wanted to say how I did. I did have them in the beginning as a surprise team and I just wanted to want the credit <laughs> um, but well I think I think that the White Sox will take this one and I think the Twins are great and I think I, I love was it Bomba Squad Bomba Squad right yeah I, I love I love what the Twins do in Minnesota um, like get swept by the Yankees every year in the playoffs um, <laughs> but um, I I think that the White Sox will take it, and that'll be probably five, five to two score. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit lower than my last one, 
But I think that these, while these are good teams, I think it would just be a little bit lower. Tyler? I got the White Sox winning this game. Um, they've really been a surprise team to me this year, especially since they're 30 and 16. I got the White Sox winning seven to three. Seven to three. All right. And Alex? Uh, I'm going to be different from you guys. I'm going to go with the uh, Minnesota Twins. Uh, both of these teams have been red hot recently. Uh, Chicago has won seven of its last eight games. And then Minnesota has won nine of its last 11. Um, but however, head-to-head, Minnesota has won four of the last six between these two teams. So I'm going to go with Minnesota winning this game. And a close one, much closer than the last game we predicted. Uh, I'm going to say Minnesota wins 5-4, a one-run game. Okay, okay. So sadly, sadly, guys, no, no repeats for scores. Sorry, just everyone was different this time. And our, and our final game for predictions before we jump into the AL Central will be another big division game. Dodgers, Padres. Let me give a little background on that. Dodgers, 32-14. and 14. Wow. 32-14. and 14, Top the NL West. And hanging three games back. The Padres, 29-17. and 17. Padres, 8-2 and two in the last 10. Dodgers, 6-4 and four in the last 10. Tyler, how about you start us off? I have... Okay. So, this to me is a very interesting game because both teams have been playing very well recently. And... Yeah. I don't like the Dodgers at all because they took Mookie. So, I'm going to go Padres... If they can get the bats moving tonight, I'm going to say 11 to 5. Okay, 11 to 5, Padres? Yes. Okay. Courtesy Uh, of Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, Fernando Tatis. Uh, Alex, what is the pitching matchup for... Um, The Dodgers have not announced the starter for the game yet. For for the uh, Padres, it is... uh, Danielson LeMay might have just butchered that completely, but okay. uh, he's actually been doing pretty good this season. He's two and one with a two point two four ERA, so he, he's he's been pitching. He's been pretty good this season. Um, That's yeah. Okay, sub two thirty ERA. Yeah, right two twenty four. That's really good. Um, I I love LeMay and I love the Padres. Um, but I do think that the Dodgers are a little bit more talented. No, I don't. I don't like him the most. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Dodgers, but it's going to be a low-scoring game because LeMay is going to go six strong, but then the bullpen's going to kind of cough it up. So I'll go Dodgers 3-1. 3-1. LeMay will be in line for the win, and then the bullpen will cough it up, and the Dodgers will get going. Alex, how about you? Uh, I'm going to agree with John. I'm going to say the Dodgers win. Uh, and interesting fact, the um, the Padres had two of their games postponed against the Giants uh, for uh, COVID-19. They're making it up to th- they're making up those games today with a doubleheader. So I think the Padres' bullpen is going to be very tired. 
And like, yeah. like John said, I think LeMay will be in line for it, might be in line for the win, but then the Padres bullpen might blow it. Uh, which would suck for him because he's been pitching really well this season. That would be a blemish on what's been a pretty good season otherwise. But I'm going to go with a yeah. low-scoring game. I'm, I'm going to say the Dodgers win 4-2. to 4-2, to two. Four to okay. Two. All right. So we finished up our predictions, and now we'll hop into talking about the AL Central. Surprise team, disappointment. Probably right now uh, the best division in baseball. Yeah. Because they have, they have they're definitely the AL East because – by winning percentage, they have the best. They have the best team in the in the AL, and that would be the Chicago White Sox sitting at thirty and sixteen. The Twins thirty and eighteen. Then Indians in third place, twenty six and twenty one, four and a half out. The Tigers at twenty and twenty six, ten games back, and the Royals twenty and twenty eight, eleven games back. In a quick just playoff glimpse here. Right now. The White Sox would be the one seed. Rays would be two. Athletics would be three. Then it would be the Twins, four seed. Blue Jays, five seed. Astros, six seed. Then Indians and the Yankees would be in there. So there's three. Three from the AL Central and also three from the AL East. But three from the AL Central, which I wasn't expecting at all. I was expecting three from the AL East, but not the AL Central. So, Alex, tell me your thoughts about this division. Um, yeah, uh, I think the White Sox have been a surprise team this season. I mean, I I thought they were going to be improved from last season, well improved from last season, but I yeah. did not think they would be top of the AL Central good. Um, if you had asked me, I would have said Twins one, Indians two, and then White Sox as the third seed, maybe the second seed in the AL Central, but or the second team in the AL Central, second place team in the AL Central. Um, but the White Sox have been very good. Uh, I think the Indies have kind of been underperforming. Um, they're 26 and 21. Yes. They made some trade. They made a big trade at the uh, deadline and got rid of Clevenger to the Padres. Yeah. I, or, was... to, the yeah Padres. to the Padres. It's a good move. So, yeah. Good move for the Padres, but uh, I haven't really been hearing too much about the Indians, which is surprising because you know they're a team that has a lot of big name guys on there. So you know, yeah, I feel like the Indians are kind of underperforming a little bit. Uh, the Tigers and Royals, I'm not surprised that they're at the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the two easily the two worst teams in the AL Central, and it's no surprise yeah. that they're at the bottom. Yeah, no. Tyler? Yeah, yeah, I got to agree with Alex. Um, Everything he said was spot on, and the Tigers really aren't that good anyway. But I am surprised that the White Sox are in first. That, to yeah. me, is like, oh, crap, White Sox are actually good. They're better than the other Sox that I know. Oh yeah, um actually uh going along with the White Sox, uh it's this is the first time that the White Sox and Cubs have both thrown a no hitter in the same season. Uh obviously Lucas Giolito earlier in the year and then and, and Alec, Alec Mills today for the Cubs. So uh just a little fun fact for you guys there. That's impressive. That's pretty cool, honestly. Um yeah, like going third, it's gonna kinda be like the same thing. Sorry viewers, I'll try and spice it up, give it a little John Flair. Um I'm, I, 
would expect the White Sox to be third in the division. I'd expect them to be third because they're better than the Royals and the Tigers, but I wouldn't expect them to be close third. I wouldn't expect them to be getting a playoff spot at all. No. I think right now they pretty much have a playoff spot on lock because um, the season's wrapping up. It's got maybe like two two weeks left maybe. Um, so it's wrapping up real quick. I mean, the AL Central, honestly, really good teams in there. Got two teams over 600 win percentage. Uh, and then you got the Indians five games, about 500. And then the Tigers are only six game under. Like, yeah, that's not great, but they're, it's kind of still competitive. Like, they could possibly make some noise. And they don't really, like, they don't really have, like, the names or the talent to do it. But, hey, it'd be so fun to see them make some noise and make it into the playoffs. For, like, the first time since maybe, like, 2013, maybe, when they lost to the Red Sox. I might be mistaken, but um, if I am, I'll, I'll correct it next episode. Uh, but I'm, I'm really impressed by this division. I, I really am. All right, so that was our talk on Player of the Week predictions. And we're talking about AL Central. And when we get back on Hoops and Dingers, we'll talk about Tyler's take and underrated, overrated, or perfectly rated. We'll be right back. Hello, and we're back on Hoops and Dingers. We just talked about the MLB, our predictions, player of the week, etc., if you want to tune into that, just go back a little bit. But now we're going to do a fun segment for the new viewers. We're going to be doing Tyler's Take, which is where we allow Tyler Sumner to give Alex Green and I take away that he has from the current NBA. So this one will be about the Celtics Raptors. And we get to disagree or agree with it. So start with that and let's start with what is the take my takeaway this week ladies and gentlemen has to be that Daniel Tice isn't getting talked enough about for the Celtics and how good he's been for them in the playoffs I mean Tice has really shown that he is a decent big man in the NBA you know he's getting rebounds and one thing to me about Tice that really sticks out is he doesn't complain that much. I mean, if he gets hit in the face and they don't call it a foul, then yeah, I can see why you complain. But he doesn't complain as much as other big men do in the NBA. He's also he he averages points, like he puts up decent points, but rebounds he's great. He he was kind of he kind of reminds me of a Dennis Rodman a little bit because he always knows where the ball is gonna be, sort of. Okay. All right. I'll I'll start with this. You 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 had me until the Dennis Rodman bit. I, okay. I I love Tice, but he's he's no Dennis Rodman. He he's he's definitely. I understand where you're coming. Well, I mean, from. no one's Dennis Rodman with an eccentric personality like Rodman has. Well, no, but I mean, like he's not even him on the court either. There was. I'm looking at the stats right now. Against Toronto, he got double digits rebounds in one game. All the other ones was under ten. I, I think I would I would agree with you. I think that just because maybe the stats aren't there, I feel like he's 
I feel like he doesn't talk about enough. Maybe because the points aren't there, and that's the flashy thing that people want to talk about. I agree with you. I feel like he's an underrated piece of the Celtics puzzle, and that he had a a really good uh a really good um series. Um, like maybe not great in points or even like just like the stats, but just feel like he was like there and. Uh, but I, when I was watching the game, I felt like a lot of the times where they needed the big board, sometimes it would honestly be, it would sometimes be Brown, but a lot of the times it was Tice. Um, Tice gets in there, he gets dirty, and like you said, with he's not a diva. He's not. He's not. He's not. Um, he's not a diva, and he won't complain. He'll just take it, and he'll be like, "All right, I'm not gonna get the call. All right, I'll dunk on you." Him and Marcus Smart in game six. It was when they were throwing up the oops and they were, they were doing really well. And I would I would agree with you on that. Uh, Alex, how about you? Throw it over to you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Tyler's take as well. Uh, I just think it's completely unfair to compare Tice to Rodman. Not saying that Tice is a bad player by any means, but he's that he's no he's nowhere near Dennis Rodman level. Um, yeah. Like John said, he only had double-digit rebounds in one of the games in the Toronto Raptors series. So, yeah. But I'd have to agree with how his take. Um, I definitely do not think Daniel Tice has talked about enough. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely because he's undersized as well. Uh, he's only like he's only 6'8", I believe. Or he's on the shorter side for a center. So, you know, he's definitely not, not talked about for that reason. And, you know, like John and Tyler said, uh, you know he, he he's not afraid to go down and get a board. He's not afraid to get get his body. He can you know take contact and get a big board like when the Celtics need it or a big block even when the Celtics need it. So I really do t- think Tice is a underrated center in this league and he's really an important piece to the Celtics puzzle. He really is. All right. Speaking of the Celtics, we're gonna pop into another segment: underrated, overrated, perfectly rated. And that's going to be no other, none other than Marcus Smart. Now I'll start. I'll start with Tyler on this one. Tyler, what do you got to say about Marcus Smart? Underrated, overrated, or perfectly rated? To me, this is an easy one. He's underrated so much. I mean, his defense. To me, he's in the top five defensive players in the league right now. You know. This guy on defense, he's an acrobat. We saw, I don't know if you guys saw it the other night, but he jumped in midair, like kind of did like a cross fly steal. Like he intercepted it. He was acting like Stephon Gilmore out there with steals. And to me, I just think he's underrated because we know he can score. You know, his three-point shooting has gotten better. I think he hit three or four in a in a row in a cup in during the series. I can't exactly remember if it was three or four. But yeah, to me he's just underrated so much. He deserves way more credit. And I just think that he's underrated. Alright. Alex, I'll shoot it over to you. What you got? If you had asked me this question maybe like a year or two ago or asked me if Marcus Smart was overrated or perfectly rated like a year or two ago, I would have said without a doubt underrated. But I think now people are starting to realize what Marcus Smart does in the defensive end. So I'm going to say that he's perfectly rated. Um, I think people are starting to realize that, like Tyler said, he's 
one of the top five, one of the top defensive players in the league. And his, like Tyler said, his scoring has really gotten better. His shooting specifically has really improved over the years, especially this year from last year. So, and I think people are starting to realize that Marcus Smart is, you know, he, he, Marcus Smart is a player that is going to give up. He's going to hustle. He's going to go all out and he's going to do whatever it takes really to help the Celtics win. I think people are trying to realize that. So I'm going to say that Marcus Smart is perfectly rated. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that, Alex. I feel like uh, he wasn't getting the recognition he deserved a couple of years back, like you had said. But with his defensive, fir- defensive first team efforts um, and kind of just being even more noticed by not just Boston fans, but NBA fans in general, especially since like I feel like everyone was like tuning in to watch that block that he had on – uh, Norman Powell, um, but I, I want to say, here's the thing about his shooting: he shoots you in games or he shoots you well out of them. That's that's and, true. That's very true. It's, it's very it's very improved. But what I look for for Smart isn't really going to be about the points or the three point shot. Yes, it's cool and it's good that the Celtics can have him also for that. But he's more of the defensive threat. Um, he can get the steals. He can get the charges. He's very acrobatic. I feel like he goes down every time, but then he pops right back up, and he's like, it's fine, it's fine. Like, sure, he gets hurt a lot, but that's because he's diving all over the place and giving his 100% effort and his all. Um, I think I think him and Tice, like we kind of talked Celtics here in these last um, in these last couple, in this last segment here with Tyler's take and this. Um, we've talked about this a lot this episode. I feel like he and Tice are both pretty underrated, but at the same time, you know what you're getting for them. So I think you know what you're getting. So I think that he is perfectly rated because for, in my mind, I know I just said that he and Tice are underrated, but I forgot that like, I know what I'm getting from smart and Maybe I feel like he's starting to get the recognition now, um, and so now he's turned it and uh, not turned it around, but people are noticing him more now. So I I would stick with perfectly rated here. All right, so that'll wrap up this episode of Hoops and Dingers. I hope you all enjoy. Tune in next week when we hit episode seven. It has been a pleasure, and I will. I would like to thank Alex and Tyler. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, See you next week. All right. See ya. Peace. Deuces.